How do companies create a culture and core values that employees actually live out? The team at The Receptionist, a bootstrapped Denver-based software company, sets out to answer that very question. Welcome to The Fabric Podcast. Here's your host, Michael Ashford. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 101 of The Fabric Podcast. I'm Michael Ashford, the Director of Marketing here at The Receptionist. And as we announced in the last episode, episode 100, I'm now the host of the show. So in this episode, I chat with Heather Younger. Heather is the CEO of an employee engagement consulting and training firm called Employee Fanatics. Now, I came to know Heather and her work after she and I each had the opportunity to deliver a TEDx talk at TEDx Manitou Springs in September 2021. After I heard Heather's talk, The Radical Power of Caring Leadership, which we've linked in the episode description so that you can go and watch it as well, And after I got the chance to know Heather a bit more off the stage, I knew she'd be a perfect guest to bring on this show to talk about what it means to be a caring leader. Being a caring leader, as you'll hear, flows right in line with our fabric core values here at The Receptionist. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Heather Younger. Your TEDx talk at TEDx Manitou Springs was about caring leadership. What is a caring leader? Well, I mean, a caring leader is someone who who shows concern and kindness towards those who look to them for guidance. Um, and I had to think about what that definition was going to look like because we kind of go through, well, there's leadership, but there's this and there's that. And it's like, what's the, what's the thing I'm looking for, the special sauce? And it is the combination of kindness and concern and towards those who look to you for guidance and leadership. And so I say guidance and leadership because sometimes people go, well, I'm not a manager. I'm not a leader. So I don't need to be a caring leader because it doesn't apply to me because I'm not a leader. But it's those who look to you for guidance that makes it very, very expansive. It's like you're a parent, you're somebody in your community, somebody at your church, someone at your, it doesn't really matter. If someone's looking to you, how are you expressing that care through concern and kindness? Has that definition changed at all for you in your career and over the course of, of your professional life? Has that, has anything changed or modified there for you? Hmm. Yeah, I would say, I would say that over time, I've become more expansive about that view. So probably, I would say I started doing, started talking about caring leadership, empathetic leadership, compassionate leadership, uh, just kind of the, I guess the softer side, but it's really the harder side of leadership. I've been talking about that for a while, but then what I come to realize is it, it was mostly focused on those who managed people, you know, it's just one person. And then I come to realize which is why I gave this TED talk that, wait a second, this is not, this requirement is not reserved for those who have some kind of title, let's just say. I won't say power or authority because in most cases, this might be the case. And we we look at authority and power in different ways. And I do. So I'm I'm more expansive about that too. So sometimes it's, do you have the power to actually make someone feel small or big? Yes. The answer is yes for every single one of us. So that, part started to be, become more expansive, I'd say, or over uh, during the pandemic, mm. I'd say. This yeah. is super interesting. I love that. Um, you, you touched on it, the softer side. Uh, you said it's the harder stuff. What did you mean by that? Go into that a little yeah. bit more. It just, I, I don't know, for people like me, it's actually a trigger when someone goes, that's uh, soft skills. And I'm just like, okay, the caring for people, listening to people, uplifting people is not a soft skill. It is the hardest part of human interaction. So it's super easy, I think, to manage through a spreadsheet. I mean, once you learn the tactics of how to do a spreadsheet and do pivot tables and things, it is what it is. It's when you have to say, 
you got to you have to deal with people, different personalities, in conf- conflicting situations, uh, all of the complexities of just being human. That's when it gets hard. So it's not soft; it's hard, and that's why I say soft, so people understand what I'm talking about. But it's really hard. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> you 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 mentioned in your talk. Um, the scenario that you went through and getting laid off post-merger, I've been through that same exact process. Your your talk resonated so much with me, Heather, because I was in that same position where two companies of like size merge together. Then they, you know, you've got two VPs of marketing and two chief operating officers and, and even two CEOs, which eventually that whole situation shook, shook itself out as well. But one of the things that struck me in your talk was you talked about there being a manager who wasn't present for those really uncomfortable conversations when when the other shoe began to drop that that you were aware of was going to come anyway. What did that feel like when that manager, I'll use the pointed language of shirked their managerial duty to not employ those soft skills and be a part of those conversations. What did that feel like to you, Heather? Well, I mean, it felt awful, although, you know, someone did bring this up to me after my TED talk went out that, well, maybe that was part of their policy that that, that person wouldn't be on the phone. They needed to have this other person be on the phone, or maybe they had a discussion where she wouldn't be on the phone. So long and the short of it is, so we just for those who are listening, um, the, when it came time that we knew there was going to be a layoff, I found out it was happening. I received a call, uh, my manager, my direct manager, who'd been my manager for maybe four or five months, something like that. She was a VP of customer success and she set that call up. But then when the time came for the call, she wasn't on the call. The person who was my manager before her, who was more senior to her, was the one on the call. Now, the issue was less that she was on the call. The issue was after the fact, I never heard from her again. So like maybe even if they decided that she shouldn't be on the call, it should be him because I had a stronger relationship, all of those things. She could have at least followed up after I had been laid off. She could, even if she was laid off months after, she still should have connected with me, but she never did. I I just never I I never heard from her again. I saw her on social media somewhere, but I never heard from her. She never reached out out of all these years. Just kind of crazy. That's the part that. So it feels like it just feels like like you said, abdicating responsibility. Just, uh, but like I guess I wasn't important at all in her life, even if it was just four or five months. Still, what level of respect that you would have and a level of dignity you could provide by just being present? And if you couldn't be present at that moment because there was some agreement you made with the executive leadership team, why didn't you show up after the fact? Because there's, you know, with these talks we give, you know this, when we tell a story or whatever angle it is, it has to fit on the top of a pin. It has to be a tiny, narrow thing. And you can't go into all of the depth. And if I wanted, I could go into the depth of every single one of those stories. And there's, and there's complexity to it because it's huge because we're humans, mm-hmm. but there are some realities. And the reality in my mind was irrespective of what was decided about that call. She never, ever reached out to me again. <laughs> I, it's just like crazy to me. <laughs> so, so to the, to the manager or to the person leading others it, who is listening to this right now and who may be thinking, well, why does that matter? Um, what would your answer be to that, Heather? Why why would that matter that that person who, as you said, was on, had only been managing you for four or five months, why was that important? What what were you hoping to get out of that? Mm-hmm. I, I, if if I would if she would have been there, I would have sensed a, a sense a level of support, and again that concern and kindness part of things like that is caring leadership. If you take the steps to show you you care that you know I'm sorry this has to happen or oh this this is taking place and 
I just want to be here with you when I'm in the moment where you, when you're going through a tough time. I want to be present. I want to be present with you, not just in the good times, but the bad times. And so it leaves people feeling cared for. It leaves them a level of support and dignity as human. It's like you don't feel, it's almost like you feel like your clothes are ripped off, off of you and you, um, and you're like under their shoe, like you're the worst thing on the ground. It's kind of what it feels like. And so the goal is to let, when, when you leave people, no matter what the is, situation is, that even if it's not like a hop, happy, jolly time, that in the moment they, they sensed your concern. They sensed that you cared. They sensed that they were more than just a number to you. That, that's what's the most important thing. Yeah. You said in your talk that uh, caring leadership uh, is only possible with action. What does it yeah. look? What does it look like in the absence of action? Let's go there first, Heather. Like, what what does leadership then look like to to employees, or or even if you're not in that that direct managerial role, like you talked about earlier, what does it look like when that action is absent? Um, so I think the the absence of action is well it produces I think apathy. That's number one. So uh, it also produces confusion. And so let me just also, let me back up, let me define what I, what I mean is action. Sometimes action in a scenario like we described is, is just being present. So it's not like, she's not like stopping the layoff from happening. She's not giving me more money. She's not doing anything besides just being present. So the action itself is being compassionate, just sitting there, just sitting there. That's it. Um, so often people think when you, when you, when you think about the action that it has to be like, you go solve the problem, you go do the thing, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that. It just has to be that you as another human is choosing to be there with another human to, to just be there for them in their pain. That's what compassion is. That's, that's what differentiates compassion from empathy. It's, it's deciding that you being there with your pain, but sometimes it's, you know, compassion is the action behind it, but action in that moment is just remaining with the uncomfortable <laughs> conversation. So if you don't, if you say, if let's say someone comes to you and you sense that they're, it doesn't have to be somebody you manage, just someone comes to you, you sense that they're not in a good place and you choose to ignore it. You don't even choose to stay there with them and to ask more questions and lean in. Well, then that is a lack of action. That's a lack of compassion. Um, that's a lack of empathy. So it's all the good things, the things that make people feel supported and valued and cared for uh, that you give them even just by sitting there with them, staying in the level of discomfort with them. That's action. But action also could be, uh, you know, helping them solve the problem, helping to solution with them if they want that. And we need to clarify whether they want that or not. And then if mm. we clarify they do, then we then we take steps uh, after we brainstorm and discuss and listen very deeply to them that, that, that we should go do something about it to help them, to help alleviate that pain. But that's really the issue. You know, it boils down to, you know, if I had to go, at, we went back and forth on, is it the radical power of caring leadership? Should we go around compassion? Because that's clear for most people. Um but it is, it boils down to compassion uh, because it means that there's some level of intentionality and forward moving nature of what it is you're doing when you care. Um, it's a little bit more than empathy. Empathy is sensing the needs of another person. It's sensing, it's leaning, it's, but it's a little bit different. It's just like making this cognitive choice to say, I am going to, this is the next thing I'm going to, the next step I'm, I'm doing. I'm going to ask them if they need help. I'm going to go out of my way, which is why I try to give some examples. So yeah. it's, I loved what you said there. It's really interesting that uh, you talked about so many times we as leaders, we as managers want to rush in and, and action looks like solving the problem, taking some sort of, of actual action rather than the action of just 
being there and being present for that that person who may be going through a rough time on our team or or who we have influence with. When did you come to understand that there was a difference between the two, Heather? I'm fascinated by In, that. Uh, interesting. Um, so it's so funny. Well, it was during the pandemic. So during the pandemic mm-hmm. between empathy and compassion, it was in the last two years where I came to that reality. So I'm a person like my number one strength is empathy. And I'm compassion. Empathy is how I lead, in, which is, can be a good thing. And it could be a not so good thing. And you can get fatigue, right? So I know that about myself. Um, but I always, I just always assumed, I just would, oh, I'm empathetic. And I never really thought about how much, I mean, how much I would be willing to sit in the pain or go over and above for my team members and how that created a sense of loyalty in them towards me. I didn't really put two and two together because I took it for granted until I can't remember. It was during the pandemic and it was like, I don't know if I read it somewhere or there was something. And I thought, yeah, like, how did I not even, you know, think of that? Because that's what I've always been doing, but I never could, uh, you know, when you, when you, when you go down to like train someone and you, sometimes you just, it's hyperbole or you're like a oh, fluff. And it's like, but what's the thing? What's the thing? What's the, and the thing is the alleviating the pain of another person being willing to do that in an intentional way was a difference. It makes me think of, this has been about maybe six years ago when I was in a training, I was training some people and it was in customer experience. I was training people and there were executives in the room. And I, I said, Oh, you know, this is, you know, the golden rule. And then someone goes, well, I don't I like to think of it not as the golden rule, like treating others as you'd like to be treated, but I like to think of it as like treating people how they like to be treated. And again, I've always done that thing I just described, treating them like they want to be treated, not like how I want to be treated. But I always assumed it, it was the golden rule. Like I was just like living by that until someone kind of stopped me in the moment, either posed a question or said something different. And I thought, huh, that's like so true. So since every since that time, I don't actually believe in that like hard and fast golden rule. Because I do think it's about the person across from me leading that person in their shoes with their experiences, their filters. That's where I'm, I want to meet them there, not where just where I'm standing. So it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to do that, particularly as someone who is kind of an empath who I'm like, I'm feeling the fail. I'm feeling the feelings. Am I feeling the feelings? Am I feeling my feelings about or my or am I getting to the truth? So I have to ask the right questions. I have to lean in longer. I've got to turn my computer off. I have to take it all away. Like how God took it away, right? And sit in the moment with that person. Yeah, go go there a little bit deeper with me here, Heather. How do we lean into that a little bit more? You mentioned a couple things, like put the tech away, ask more questions, but can you expand on that a little bit more and, and how we come to, you phrased it as how we come to that person's truth versus mm-hmm. our own. How do we get to that as leaders and managers? Well, I mean, I, I, it's so interesting because I try to, this is that whole idea of like really breaking down tiny, tiny steps. I have a book coming out next year on listening. And of course, empathy is going to be part of it. And this, this idea of really breaking down the little micro interactions that might happen because it's, I know there's so much, I have to go much further. Um, So for me, I, I can be, even though that I lead with that strength, I'm not perfect at it. So if I don't have if I have like things around me that are distracting, I'm hearing noises, I'm hearing chatter, my phone's buzzing, or I'm like someone's in front of me and my screen's up and I'm seeing alerts, I absolutely cannot do the thing. I can't lean into my strength in that place. I don't care how good I am. So I have learned even myself, even just most recently, to say, okay, lid down on the screen, phone over on the thing. And at least like if they come to me and now I'm at least staring at them, I don't have anything in my ears. So I have to, it's like, that's, that's the very first step. It's removing as many of the distractions as you can. If you really are about to have a conversation, let's say it's a layoff conversation. Let's say it's a performance conversation, but it requires that. And then it requires that we ask questions. And now we're not asking questions 
and summarizing what we hear from the prescriptive way of doing things. So normally it's like, it's like when you get positive feedback, you give a positive, you do the negative you do this way, right? That's very formulaic. <laughs> yeah. And the same is. thing it is, right, with listening or like asking. It's like I ask the question, I lead in and I'm listening. But as I'm listening, I'm like trying to figure out how I'm going to repeat it back. That's not what I mean by that. It, it is really, truly clearing out the fray, pausing, and almost centering yourself. So it's like taking some breaths, centering yourself. And then asking the question, like, so I, you know, I noticed this, I noticed that this thing has not been like you've been, or you haven't been like you've normally been. What's going on? And I just want to shut up. And shutting up means like shutting up and shutting up this too. Stop yeah. the chatter, stop the chatter, stop the chatter in my own head. So that I can really, really lean in and listen to what the person, what their needs are, what their problems are. Uh, and, and then again, like when you get to one point and they're talking to you, sometimes you can sense they want you to give them feedback or sometimes you don't sense that, but you won't know about the sensing. You can't sense a thing if you've got the chatter in your head and the chatter all around you. So I would say that the biggest thing is to quiet all of that. It's the only way we can center ourselves to really be able to lean in and look through, the, look to the eyes of the person, um, look to the heart of the person, ask questions that are probing that get to the bottom of what they need from us. And we need this now more than ever. We've always needed it, but mental health, you know, emotional well-being, all kinds of things that have just gone way off the rails during the pandemic. Uh, we, need to, we need to learn to lean in more with this type of um, real true empathetic listening. You know, I always hear these skills for listening and you repeated a couple of them, you know, the, the repeat back to them, what they just said and, <laughs> and all that. And I, I always say, you know, when you know if you're listening or not, when you're actually listening, like <laughs> <laughs> we know when we're actually listening to someone and when we're just listening for, to, to fill in the next to step to respond. Right. Yeah, exactly. Heather, you brought up something really interesting there that I'd love to kind of, as we begin to wrap things up here, dive into is as more companies begin to return to the office and some might not always return to the office full time. Some might go hybrid. Some may never go back to the office, but what is the role of a caring leader in a world that we've been through over the last 24 months now when we're going back into the office and, and our lives are upended in a very different way than they were the first time around? What is a role for a caring leader this time around coming back to the office? Mm -hmm. I would say the thing I just described is just it's actually doubling down on that. So where we needed to... Uh, really seek to understand before and shush our mouths and shut the chatter. We need to do that even more now there, because here's the thing. Some of this is wrapped up in, in our own um, discomfort on returning to the office, because let's be clear, like executive leaders, mid-level managers, frontline managers, our team members, we all have changed our value system about what it is we want. We've all reprioritized what it is that we feel comfortable with and we sense that we want for our future. So as we're sitting with them, that empathy also has to be, has to be has to almost to be a little disconnected. So we have to disconnect our own personal um, narrative with whatever our new values are, with what their values are. Because now we're like full on intertwined, right? We just are. We're just we're like really wrapped up into as we hear them. We're like, mm -hmm, yeah, my values. I've done that same thing. Like right. And, it's, and when we're doing that, mm -hmm, sometimes the empathy goes overboard, and then it actually just um, it, it it's actually not valuable. Because we really aren't hearing them because all we're doing is we're just affirming and confirming our own stories, our own inner dialogue based upon what, what, we've, what we've just gone through. So um, 
So I would say lean in, double down. But like I said, like I think the biggest thing, if I'd like you to take away from this, is to is it, on the listening front, is to get rid of the chatter and make sure that it's not your narrative, or your story, or your filter that you're leaning in with. Make sure that you're trying to lean in with more with theirs. Do you ever get pushback on that? That empathy can go overboard and actually be a be detrimental to your case as a leader. <laughs> Do you ever get pushback? No, because most people don't show enough of it. So I would never get pushback that uh. it would be, uh, <laughs> that there's never enough because most most don't lean in yeah. with that. Um, I was just talking to um, somebody that I coach and she was saying, oh, we did this. Like it wasn't Enneagram. It was like SDI or like, there's all these different assessments, right? Oh my. And I'm this, and no one else was this, which is kind of that person who was the, uh, it tends to be the empathy person, the one who's relational, the one who's human and people focused and all of that. Right. And that tends to be a very narrow amount on an executive leadership team. Most of those people don't have that thing. And so she didn't. So she was like, well, it feels a little odd. feels a little weird. I'm like, that's all right. They all need you to center and ground them. Right. But um, I think the key is that it's just, I don't think most people aren't going far enough. So there's really never too much because most of them aren't. Now, as caretakers, like people in healthcare, though they tend to be ones who already have that, that compassion and all that. So they do, they can, it can go overboard. There can be fatigue and they have to, we have to talk about what they're doing for themselves and for self-care. And, and I speak to that group a lot. And because I'm the person who also leans in too much to that sometimes too. And I have to make sure I lean into self-care and centering and a lot of a kind of mindfulness practices and um, calming practices, I think are in line for people like that. But in, in most cases, I don't get a, pull, a pushback because most people think I'm bonkers to tell them to do more of it anyway, because they just <laughs> enough of it. <laughs> make the case then for why I, as a leader would want to practice more concern and kindness uh, and and be more cognizant of, is it my own empathy and my own issues that I'm trying to deal with here? Or, or am I actually leaning into my employees? Make the case over the hard charger, the the person who mm-hmm. just wants to to work hard and let, let the personal life stay at home. I know that's mm-hmm. not always as much the case anymore, but it still exists out there. Make the case for yeah. why this is something that is is going to do help you do well in your business and grow your your company yeah well so the just recently linkedin put out a report that 50 million people have left their jobs during this last couple of years that's reason in itself now a big big you know there's i don't know the exact percentage on each of those that would be value differences that have just been misaligned because of the pandemic but there are a huge amount of those that have left because uh, they never felt cared for. They never felt heard. They never felt respected. They never felt uplifted. They never felt anybody was looking out for them on their career journey. Um, they never felt listened to. I mean, all of those things. So uh, if you don't want people, if you want to keep recruiting people, uh, the cost of acquisition is really high. So if you yeah. want to keep doing that, right, then then you can be hard charging. But if you want to have less of that, you want to keep people that you are trained, that have kind of depth of knowledge of the business, that are willing to go over and above for you and kind of secrete that sense of loyalty, then you'll practice the nine behaviors of caring leadership and be consistently measuring yourself um, and also asking feedback um, from the people who are looking to you for guidance, open, honest feedback. And most of the times they won't give it to you unless you've built a level of trust with them. So I would say that the business case is it's pretty clear. 50 million people left their jobs. I'm sure it, you know, we have all been impacted in one way or shape or form in that. And the cost to acquire and to retrain and to bring someone on is really high. And then there's also the case of like you got um, uh, 
companies, publicly traded companies who have seen like market caps increase when they start putting their people first. They really focus on people practices and really see their numbers grow. Um, and so I have a couple of case studies of that even that I highlight on the Art of Caring Leadership book, uh, because I think it's important. I wanted to put that ROI stuff in there just for people who didn't quite go, eh, I like Heather, but I'm not sure I agree with this squishy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Who could not like you, Heather? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> hey, um, this is The Fabric Show, uh, The Fabric Podcast. And Fabric is our core values here at The Receptionist. It's fun, authentic, bold, respectful, innovative, and collaborative. Which one of those do you feel most aligns with what we've talked about here today and, and caring leadership? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like in this world, I like the bold concept. Um, you know, I wouldn't say like necessarily my brand is bold, but as I think about caring leadership and how it could, it's going against the grain, as I talked about earlier, that, that leader who says, I'm the only one who's like this out of the entire team. That's kind of the makeup of most executive leadership teams. So it is being bold to show up with more concern and kindness towards those who look to you for guidance instead of that hard charging person. It's being more bold to say, no, I'm not going to make this rash decision without first consulting and listening to the team who looks to me for this and drives our business forward. So I think the bold is the thing that speaks to me the most. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful stuff. Well, I know you've got an assessment on your website. People can go and, and yes. self-assess if they're a caring leader. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. You just go to caringleadership.co and there's a there's an assessment and there are coaches and classes and all kinds of resources for those who really want to go and embark on this journey. And it is a journey, which I can tell you there was a destination <laughs> that you're getting to. We're all just all, you know, caring leaders in development. So, Well, thank you so much for joining me to talk a little bit about this, Heather. I appreciate it. And uh, best wishes to you as we hopefully come out of this more and more and more. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fabric Podcast. If you ever want to watch a video version of the show, head over to thereceptionist.com slash fabric to see our bright, smiling faces. And if you're interested in checking out how The Receptionist for iPad Visitor Management System works, go to thereceptionist.com where you can check out our 12-minute product tour or sign up for a 14-day free trial.